0: aboard the go chuck yourself jungle safari everyone this week we're going to go deep into the jungle and we're gonna see snakes and and tigers and the scariest beast of them all a jaded thrice divorced married couple hello (laughs) i am one of your tour guides chris gillespie
1: i'm skipper Aaron.
0: and we are here to remind you to keep all arms and legs inside the vehicle while we are in motion if you want to keep
1: them that's right
0: we do have some hungry friends that we're going to be seeing along this ride. So if they, uh, your arms might look pretty tasty or maybe your legs and they might just jump up and take it from you and have a nice little snack. Uh, so we ask that you keep all of your appendages inside the jungle vehicle. Uh, Aaron, do you have any other safety warnings you'd like to give?
1: Um, I feel like I would like to start making some like wisecracks and be like, you see that elephant over there looks like my ex-wife or like something like that, but, uh, Okay,
0: I'm going to I'm going to hold on to the microphone for right now, but maybe if Aaron has any uh, good ideas, Uh,
1: Dwayne, Dwayne, Uh, the Rock Johnson. Is that anything? Is he here? Jungle Cruise and Emily uh, Blunt?
0: Well, he was going to he was going to be here, but we had to uh, postpone him due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So you'll probably be seeing him either uh, next spring or next summer,
1: (laughs) maybe on Uh Disney Plus, maybe on uh, the streaming service of your choice
0: maybe they might just go straight to disney plus yeah. maybe movie theaters won't exist in the future you know, I, Who did. Knows? I did
1: watch artemis fowl yeah just steamrolling us to a halt to let you know i did see it and there is a scene where josh gad eats a bunch of dirt and it comes out his butt and he like unhinges his jaw and he goes it's feeding time And I just like, you really needed to know that everyone really needs to know that.
0: So I'm making the executive decision that if our jungle vehicle gets stranded anywhere or stuck and we need to uh, feed different people to the animals (laughs) to pacify them, I nominate Aaron.
1: Yeah, okay, that seems fair.
0: Great. Uh, So the name of this particular uh, trek that we're going on is Chuck versus the role models. It is the 15th episode of season three of NBC's Chuck, and we are going to we're going to get lost in it. We're going to have a treasure map. Maybe we'll find treasure. We're going to see animals. We're going to uh, kind of include this sub narrative about the, the, you know, why it's wrong to poach animals and the dangers of poaching and how unethical it is. But then we'll kind of stop doing that after a few years when we realize it's unnecessary.
1: You're doing like Disney safari and I'm doing like Disney jungle cruise. So that's why, that's why this is kind of weird. And like, like this is why I'm being kind of awkward. Cause we're not on the same okay. page. We need, right, to, so, we need to create a new ride, I think.
0: So it kind of sounds like we need to communicate better if our partnership is going to last the long haul. It sounds like it's all about communicating. Wow. And we need to work out those issues.
1: Mm, okay. So uh, speaking of communicating, I'm going to communicate the plot of this episode. Sound good?
0: Yes. Let's, let's get rolling on either the... Well, I guess you can choose, listener, whether you want to picture this as like a very large whatever vehicle they use on the jungle safari ride. uh, Or if you want to picture it as a boat that is on a track in about uh, half a foot of very chlorinated water.
1: Yeah. And you either way, you can picture us both in like cargo khaki vests.
0: Yes, I'm sure we would look very good in those. Yeah, I
1: think so, too. So this episode starts with something that I have learned is a reference to the show Heart to Heart, but heart like H-A-R-T, which seems to be a old spy caper show. Um, mm-hmm. One of the reviewers, I believe on IGN, commented that this would be uh, making no sense at all to uh, younger viewers, and I can confirm that he was correct. Yeah, uh, I was
0: like, I'm sure this is a reference <laughs> to something that was around long before I was.
1: I uh, have no idea why they did this because it doesn't really relate to the rest of the episode at all, but it is fun. What's happening is Morgan is narrating in a sort of like noir type accent where he's like, this is my pal Chuck and his girl Sarah. And it's like footage from the show, but it's also this like old fashioned thing where Chuck and Sarah are driving next to each other in convertibles on the PCH. And then Morgan is like, this is where I come in. And then he's in the background on a very fake motorcycle. And it's kind of incredible. Like, I wish this had anything to do with the rest of the plot. My boyfriend commented like. Oh, this this episode must be about that guy and like his journey and how he fits in to Chuck and Sarah's relationship. And it really uh, wasn't at all. But what we do get to see is Morgan's bedroom when he uh, wakes up. Apparently, this was all a dream. And we get to see that he has Princess Leia sheets. Maybe they're like Princess Leia and the rest of the Star Wars characters. But all I saw was Princess Leia. And he also has a blanket that seems to be a panther. Did you notice this?
0: Yes, it was a, uh, I think it was a panther okay. sticking with the jungle theme Yeah, of I guess it's episode. kind of
1: foreshadowing, but, uh, yeah, it was just, like, a big panther blanket.
0: You know what's kind of unsettling, I guess, is the implication that Morgan now sleeps in Ellie and Devon's former bedroom. Oh
1: god, oh god, I hate that, I didn't even think about that.
0: I didn't think about it until just now, and, uh, uh it seems like they would- be making a much bigger deal out of this particular uh move in the previous seasons but now that morgan is mature and somewhat less creepy i guess they just don't talk about it
1: so morgan gets up out of bed and goes into the kitchen in the dark someone is at the fridge and he assumes it's chuck because he lives with chuck and he starts to tell chuck his dream but then sarah stands up apparently she's having a late night glass of orange juice as we all do She offers some to Morgan, and it's sufficiently awkward because she is yet again in a negligee. I'm wondering if she's run out of clothes at this point, That's, I mean, she might have left them all in Paris because she left her hotel and they left their bags behind. So I don't know. She returns to her room and Morgan says, I hate you, Chuck. The next morning, Morgan complains about Chuck's constant sex and Morgan's lack thereof, and Chuck announces that he's planning to ask Sarah to move in with them. This is honestly kind of a dick move on his part. Like, I feel like him and Morgan should have, like, talked about this. I feel like he should have asked Morgan's thoughts. But uh, Chuck is just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Deal with it, Morgan. Morgan goes silent, and I thought he was about to tell Chuck he was being a bad roommate, which would be well-deserved, but in fact, it's just because Sarah is standing behind Chuck and has heard all of this. Chuck says, how about it then? And Sarah is like, why would we move in together? We're not a normal couple, blah, blah, blah. Chuck is hurt by this, but tries to understand. He's cut off when he realizes Sarah has been storing her guns under his couch somehow. I don't know when she did that or, like, how long they've been there. I don't know what's happening, but she has a bunch of guns under his couch. She tells him he'd better get used to this kind of thing if he wants to live with a spy.
0: Also, when she asks, why would we do that? A possible answer could be like, I don't know, Sarah, because you are basically homeless at this point. Because <laughs> yeah. once again, she's moved out of her hotel room slash apartment that she was in, you know, up to this point. And uh, is she just staying at Castle? She's obviously just staying with Chuck, but yeah. it seems like. She's going to go out and find her own place, maybe? I don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't know. It's a good question. Logistically, it makes sense for her to move in there, but she's a little uh, dubious about it. Mm-hmm. So this is followed by a scene that I'm not really sure how tasteful and accurate it is, but it is Devin and Ellie arriving at a new town in Africa. It's pouring rain and surrounded by men with guns, and Ellie is alarmed by this pretty understandably. She tells Devin that she's not sure what they got themselves into, but he says they're making a difference and offers to cook her dinner that night, and that appeases her for now. Back in Castle, Beckman tells Chuck and Sarah that their next assignment is to observe two other famous CIA agents, Craig and Laura Turner. Beckman apparently wants Chuck and Sarah to see how these agents operate because they've been married for 30 years, and she wants Chuck and Sarah to learn how to go about it properly. Also, Beckman wants Casey to train Morgan. Chuck is really amused by this, and we can tell that Beckman is too, and I, I, she's kind of, I'm on the fence about her still, but in this episode, she's a little bit sassy, and I kind of like it.
0: Just the right level of sassiness? Yeah,
1: yeah. Not like, she's not putting anybody out, but she's just like making her little cracks. I, I like that side of Beckman. Mm-hmm. Later at Chuck's apartment, he's bustling around getting ready and Sarah yells at him for making her nervous, which seems a little rude. Like, first of all, she's like, she's she has decided not to move in. So she has a guest in his house. And I feel like she's just being like a little cagey this episode. I wasn't really into what she was doing, but uh, I assume she's dealing with her own stuff. Chuck expresses his own nervousness about the couple being impressed by him and Sarah as we see two figures walking through the courtyard. There's a particularly beautiful shot like we don't usually get this type of shot, but we see like the full complex and how it's like multiple levels and it looks really, really pretty. But then the woman, whose name is Laura Turner, comments, what a dump.
0: We've never no one on Chuck has ever commented or has ever said anything about Chuck's apartment like yeah. this.
1: What, I mean, really one way or the other. Nobody said it's beautiful and no one said it sucks.
0: I feel like it's objectively very nice looking.
1: Yes, I agree. It has a courtyard and a fountain. That's nice.
0: But I guess this is a, a move of, uh, this is characterization, I suppose, of these characters. This is how yes, they feel yeah, about yeah, things.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Chuck and Sarah open the door and Craig says, dear God, it's us 30 years ago. And Chuck says, look, Sarah, it's us in 30 years. I want to note here that uh, the Turners are played by Fred Willard, who I was excited to see, and Swoozy Kurtz. So that's who they are. If you haven't watched this episode and you want to picture the correct people, that's who you should be picturing. After the credits, Chuck and Sarah have a kind of awkward get-together with Craig and Laura, at which point I was thinking, do you think that the names Craig and Laura are kind of supposed to be like Chuck and Sarah? Because it's like a one-syllable C name, and then like something that's like Laura, Sarah, they're kind of like two-syllable names ending in, uh. Do you think that's, uh, on on purpose?
0: I think that's a a good point. I guess they are somewhat similar, Mm -hmm. with like Craig and Chuck kind of being parallel. Yeah. But it seems that they... Laura and Sarah. I guess Laura and Sarah are kind of what like half rhymes, sort of. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe the names are also mirroring Chuck and Sarah. Thanks it's kind that. of
1: like when I was in high school and I wanted to write like a Romeo and Juliet kind of story, but like set in a high school. And I was like, okay, like the Romeo character is going to be named Roman, and the Juliet is going whoa. to be named Julie, and it, so it's kind whoa. of like that. You know? Whoa, yeah. Whoa!
0: You just blew my mind. I know, right? Oh man, you're a genius, Aaron. Thank
1: you. Well, uh, coming coming to bookstores near you at uh, in like 40 years, I guess.
0: Roman and Julie. <laughs> Roman and Julie. Finally, some <laughs> a fresh take on Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I we, we haven't had any of those ever. No.
1: So Laura is a little hostile towards Craig and they reveal that they have been divorced and remarried three times. When Craig and Laura get up to leave, they tell Chuck and Sarah that their mission will be that night at another party held by someone, I don't know, some guy named Otto. He has, like, something that he's, like, selling. I don't know. Whatever. It's the normal thing. Chris is mad, I can tell.
0: just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Why do these people always have parties when they have things that they're trying to sell or, like, transfer?
1: They should be aware that, like, it never works because there's been three years where, like, Chuck and his team have always thwarted this. So, like... At least in the L.A. area, don't do it.
0: Here's the concept. Why don't you throw the party after you successfully sell the yeah. thing that you're trying to get rid of? Good plan. And you can celebrate and relax with your newfound <laughs> earnings instead of being like, well, I have this thing that I would really hate for someone to steal. It's just upstairs. But yeah, a bunch of strangers. Come on into my home.
1: Perfect. Chuck says he can't wait to see the turners in action, and Sarah looks at him a little dubiously. At the buymore, Morgan has no chill about his newfound spy life. Casey says that Morgan, being as he is, is a liability to the team, and Morgan is very excited when Casey says he's going to train him. Instead of taking him to Langley, as Morgan expects, Casey says he's going to teach Morgan everything he knows in the store. We cut to the party, where Craig and Laura tell Chuck and Sarah to avoid the bad guy Otto and his guards. As Chuck and Sarah are observing, though, Otto sees them and makes a beeline right for them. I don't really know what's going on here i guess he notices that there's someone that he didn't invite or like something or maybe he's attracted to sarah that's kind of the direction i thought they were going to go in but before Mm -hmm. otto can get there craig and laura step in and engage him in a conversation chuck is impressed but sarah says the turners are not all that great chuck tries to kiss her and she's like you're not going to ask me to move in with you again are you And I just don't, I don't know what the deal with her is in this episode. She's just kind of hostile. Here's what makes me so anxious about the next scene. It's dark and like party time up in Chuck and Sarah's life, but we cut back to Morgan and Casey and they're still at the Bymore. Like what shift are they working? What time do you think it is? Cause it's like, I I mean, maybe it's winter and it gets dark earlier, but like, it's making me nervous that like Chuck and Sarah are off at a party. Like parties usually start like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m. and like, people the buy more still hopping at this point like it's full of customers what do you
0: yeah what that's do you fine think?
1: no it's not I'm okay not per,
0: i'm not perturbed by this at all they I'm, could the buy More's probably closes at like 9 30 or 10
1: well, what time do you so think they're at the party like eight okay i mean i guess i guess if it's like i guess if it works out that way it's fine but i was just very nervous that they were working like way too late hours As Morgan's first lesson, Casey points out a beautiful young woman looking at either some printer cartridges or the massive Fable 2 display that they still have set up behind her. Check it out. Fable 2, sponsors of Go Check Yourself. Casey tells Morgan to go get the woman's phone number. Morgan reluctantly goes over and it seems to be going well. But when Morgan comes back and hands Casey the phone number on his business card instead of her number, the woman has written, you disgust me. It's I I really wish that she had written you disgust me with a smiley face. Like, I I just feel like the smiley face would have been a nice touch. But I think she just wrote you disgust me.
0: They got me. I was surprised. I was like, wow, was Morgan really that successful in getting the phone number that easily.
1: Yeah. I wonder what he said. We'll never know. Back at the party, Chuck and Sarah catch Laura drinking heavily. She points out that Craig is flirting heavily with a younger woman and left his mic on. So they all hear him asking the woman to come back to his hotel room later that night. A drunk Laura says she's off to steal Otto's software, but then she trips and falls. Craig comes over to help her, but then he throws out his back. Chuck and Sarah are alarmed and say they'd better all get out of there before their covers are blown. So they sneak away while Craig and Laura are hanging out on the ground. And Chuck and Sarah agree to go steal the software themselves.
0: Chuck and Sarah head upstairs to Otto's master suite. Sarah immediately looks for a safe while Chuck starts sneezing. And he announces that there must be a cat around because his allergies are acting up.
1: Yeah, we something really... we've always known about Chuck is that he's allergic to cats.
0: He loves the Eiffel Tower, and he has a severe cat <laughs> allergy. Uh, at this moment, Chuck finds a leather whip on the bed and comments that Otto must have, um, you know, used that whip for certain uh, sexual <laughs> deeds, I guess. Uh-huh. And he's just kind of like, you know, that's that's cool, whatever. Uh, but then Chuck plays around with the whip and is like cracking it, and Then Sarah looks up at him and very gravely says, Chuck, put the whip down. And Chuck doesn't understand why until he turns around and sees a tiger tiger. emerging from the other room.
1: There's not enough animal capers in Chuck. I I never really thought (laughs) about that before, but like seeing one now, I was very excited.
0: Yes, I felt the same way. Um, The tiger is not too pleased by seeing Chuck and Sarah and begins to growl and well... Okay, so the tiger, we find out her name later is Sasha, so I'll just refer to the tiger as Sasha. Sasha is not too pleased by seeing Chuck and Sarah and begins to growl and uh, lick her lips while she hops onto Otto's bed. She's so cute. We We see that she is wearing a diamond studded collar, which Chuck flashes on. And yes, as it turns out, the software that they are looking to steal is embedded into Sasha's collar. Sarah grabs Chuck and they run into a walk in closet, and Chuck tells her about the collar. They prop up a chair to block the door shut, and Chuck says that they need to think like the Turners, but Sasha starts to claw through the door. So at this moment, Sarah goes all Joe Exotic and takes out a handgun, presumably to shoot (laughs) the tiger. Oh, my
1: God, it was so upsetting.
0: Chuck then articulates something that nobody at Joe Exotic Zoo ever said, which was, no, you cannot shoot that tiger. (laughs) Uh, He explains that they're endangered and majestic. Sarah asks if he has any better ideas, uh, and he kind of struggles to think of anything else as Sasha rips through the door like tissue paper. Back at the Bymore, there are notably fewer jungle cats. Mm -hmm. Casey tells Morgan that he needs to prove his stealthiness by stealing something from the Bymore. Morgan says no problem and steals what looks like a baby bottle pop (laughs) from the candy shelf. But Casey punches him and tells him that he has something a bit more difficult in mind. I need to preface this next part by saying that me quoting what I'm about to quote is not an endorsement of its author or any of his despicable life actions. Trapped in the closet, Sarah and Chuck bicker about whether or not the Turners (laughs) are positive role models. Chuck says that there are worse people for them to turn into, but Sarah says that she'd rather be eaten by a tiger, which luckily for her seems like a strong possibility at this (laughs) point. As they quiet down, Chuck and Sarah realize that Sasha is no longer clawing at the door. In fact, Chuck says that the sound that the tiger is making sounds a lot like cut to Big Mike sound asleep (gasps) in his office. I was so
1: excited to see him.
0: Morgan opens the door as Casey watches from the window. We hear a voiceover of Casey telling Morgan, your mission is to steal Big Mike's keycard."
1: I feel like we didn't need the voiceover. I feel like we could have just inferred what was happening.
0: Well, I felt the same way. I kind of felt about the voiceover the way that I felt about the appearance of the tiger was I was like, yeah, Chuck doesn't really use a lot of voiceover. Yeah. You know, just like they don't use a lot of animal hijinks. Mm hmm. Um, I
1: I observed in the scene I thought that there was a picture of Big Mike and Bologna with lightsabers um so I thought that was kind of cool but then in fact it's a picture of them with fishing poles which is maybe oh. more cool like he's he's imparted his uh his love of fishing onto his significant other and that's nice they're sharing mm-hmm. they're sharing hobbies
0: Yeah we don't hear about her much anymore yeah. but it seems like they see must her. be doing well yeah. Yes Sasha is indeed asleep on the bed and Chuck well, and Sarah egg- Exit the closet. She's very what?
1: She's very obviously awake. I don't think you can, like, make a tiger pretend to be asleep. Um, there's, like, some shots where you can see that her eyes are open. But uh, she's, she's supposed to be asleep.
0: We'll say. Uh, so, <laughs> so Chuck comments that the tiger is <laughs> as asleep as Big Mike after he eats a baker's dozen of donuts. And then he and Sarah bicker about who's going to approach the tiger until Sarah says, just do it and now we have intercut shots that mirror each other of Chuck approaching Sasha and Morgan approaching uh Big Mike. Chuck's situation is a little bit more difficult because he has to suppress his allergies which get which get worse and worse as he gets closer to the tiger. Uh and I wanted to ask you Aaron, would you rather steal something from a sleeping Big Mike or a sleeping tiger?
1: Like I I'd really like to like be in the room with the tiger cuz I think it's like pretty sweet, but like I feel like Big Mike is, like, objectively, like, Big Mike probably won't kill me. Like, he might get mad at me, which, like, considering my anxiety, that might be worse than being killed. But, um, I don't know. I Yeah, I guess I'm just going to go with Big Mike.
0: Okay. That's that was my a, logic. That was a kind of a roundabout way to get to the obvious answer of that question.
1: <laughs> I, but also, I appreciate that. I was really concerned, like, as I'm saying about the tiger, like, being obviously awake... It's breathing very fast. Like, I paused it and made my boyfriend watch it again because it's, like, it's breathing very fast. And I was worried if this, like, I, I Googled it, but I couldn't seem to find how fast tigers typically breathe. So I was worried that the tiger, like, as an actor, was stressed out about having Zachary Levi, clo- like, creeping so close to him. Also, Zachary Levi is actually allergic to cats. So I don't know if this scene was hard for him because, like, he's, he's in a room with a cat, which he's allergic to.
0: Okay, so I will, you were very critical of the tiger and the way that they present the tiger. You're, you, It's supposed to be asleep, but you're saying it's awake and all of that. But it was clear to me that Zachary Levi and the tiger were never at, in the same room at the same time. Was that not evident to you? No. It seems to me that they, like, superimpose Zachary Levi onto the shots of the tiger. Okay. And then the way that they edit it, you never actually see him certainly with a tiger
1: okay well that's that's fine that uh that's fine so i guess the tiger was not stressed out by zachary levi but what about the camera people that were filming him or her? yeah maybe he was stressed out that's Poor valid tiger. maybe
0: you have a career in like animals rights yeah and the entertainment industry Peta,
1: give me a call Peta, sponsors of go truck yourself
0: so both of our heroes seem to succeed in their missions. Morgan rips the name badge off of Big Mike while Chuck gingerly removes the tiger's collar. All seems to be well until Chuck sneezes and wakes up Sasha. Sarah and Chuck run out of the room, locking the door behind them. And Chuck, like the emotionally unstable independent Zune owner that he is, says, Why didn't you shoot it? And Sarah says that it was too majestic to shoot. Morgan is equally as unlucky as Big Mike wakes up to see Morgan standing on his desk watching him. Big Mike says, Grimes? I told you I don't like people looking at me when I'm sleeping. (laughs)
1: I loved that.
0: And and Morgan apologizes and explains that he took the name card because he thought it was constricting Big Mike's uh, windpipe.
1: So he was concerned, like I was concerned about the tigers breathing. Morgan was concerned about Big Mike's breathing.
0: Big Mike says that he's a grown man who can take care of himself, but Morgan can get him another donut. Casey shakes his head in disappointment. Uh, Here's a phrase that we've never said before here on Go Check Yourself. Back in the Congo, <laughs> Ellie and Devin are having their dinner date. Ellie says that she feels guilty for complaining, even when surrounded by people way less fortunate than her. Devin says that she's allowed to feel that the way that she feels, and Ellie admits that she's having a hard time adjusting. As she says this, Devin sees a snake emerge from the woods behind Ellie. Ellie sees Devin get concerned and becomes concerned herself, and Devin takes out a knife from his bag. As he's about to stab the snake, another man appears out of nowhere and hits the snake with a machete. The man introduces himself as Justin, the camp security coordinator, and advises Ellie and Devin to stick closer to the main campsite at nighttime because of the animals. He apologizes for not welcoming welcoming them earlier, but says that he is very appreciative and excited to have them. Ellie and Devin try to play it cool, but are clearly shaken up by the snake incident. Devin asks, are you all right? And then immediately says, we're all right, as he swats a mosquito on his neck.
1: I commented here, Devin's going to get malaria. Um, Little did I know.
0: Back in L.A., Chuck and Sarah exit the mansion and discuss calling the Turners from the car. As they say this, the Turners step out from around a corner and hold Chuck and Sarah up at gunpoint. Mr. Turner says that they're teaching them that ever perennial lesson about spy work. No, not spies don't fall in love, <laughs> but trust no one.
1: Yeah, we've heard that before, of course.
0: Mr. Turner takes the caller from Chuck with a smile as Chuck struggles to believe that this is actually happening. Later at Castle, Chuck, Sarah and Casey talk to Beckman about the Turners going rogue. Beckman also doesn't believe it and asserts that the Turners are some of the most tenured spies out there and that they must have had a good reason for doing what they did. She assigns Chuck and Sarah to go find them. Casey offers to join them, but Beckman tells him that he needs to continue training Morgan. Chuck asks how that's going, and Casey says that Morgan makes Chuck look like a natural-born operative. Beckman then decides that she's going to send both Casey and Morgan to boot camp. It's not often that we have an intermission in the middle of an episode (laughs) to reset both the a plot and the b plot in such a similar way to the beginning of the episode because the episode started with them in the first act they had a scene in castle where they were getting their assignments and now we're back in castle and they're like okay let's check up on your assignments so far all right here's what you need to do moving forward and i was like okay this is kind of odd but i'll go go with it um also i at this moment as i was taking this pause to think i was thinking don't you think it's kind of weird that beckman is a general so that means that she's pretty high up in like the armed forces rank of command Uh like why is she don't you think she would outsource a lot of the this minor like hr onboarding stuff for morgan to another team member doesn't she have bigger fish to fry
1: (laughs) that's a good point actually i think uh beckman is um very invested in team bartowski like she she kind of puts on a hard front and she's stern with them. But I think that she really cares mm-hmm. about them. So maybe she's supposed to do the onboarding, like pass it on somewhere lower on the train. But she just really wants to, you know,
0: it's just a hands on boss. Yeah, she. Yeah. Uh,
1: I bet she doesn't. Well, uh, we've seen her office, so we know this isn't true. But I feel like she's one of the bosses that like doesn't have a door. Like she's just like my door's always open because I don't have one. Just come on in.
0: Back at Chuck's apartment, Chuck rants to Sarah about his frustration with the Turners. Not only did they betray them, but they also made them look like fools to Beckman. Chuck starts to clean the dishes and Sarah asks why he's doing that, to which Chuck responds that Bartowski is clean when they're stressed, which is something we also know much. Well, they
1: yeah, I mean, Ellie Ellie does that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, he continues to vent that the Turners were supposed to be their role models, but they ended up being cold callous jerks. Chuck says that he's concerned that Sarah will never move in with him now, that he's seen what happens when people are in relationships for a long time, to which Sarah says that they are not the Turners and that they need to focus on finding the Turners. Chuck contends that they won't be able to find such seasoned spies until Chuck comes across Mr. Turner's empty martini glass with the inadequate cherry. I don't know if we mentioned this before, yeah, but they had drinks when they were first meeting and Chuck had made Mr. Turner a Manhattan and Mr. Turner, Craig, felt like the cherry that was in the Manhattan was not adequate enough for the proper Manhattan and that there's only they told them that there was only one hotel in Los Angeles that had the proper kind of cherries. And that's called the Grand Ambassador. So thank you for
1: covering my ass, Chris.
0: That's what Safari tour guide partners do. (laughs) We got to look out for each other. Chuck says that Sarah can't be sure that they're there but Sarah don't give a shit and is already taking out her gun. <laughs> she cocks it and says, this is how I deal with stress and walks away. So badass.
1: That's a, that's a moment for women. We're strong.
0: We return to the Congo to see Ellie stepping out of a tent and taking out a satellite phone. She calls Chuck but gets his voicemail. She proceeds to vent to Chuck about how much she's struggling in the jungle and how she can't really talk to Devin about it because he seems to be thriving and all the villagers love him. She gets a little emotional and then hangs up. Our new friend, Justin, sees this and approaches her and tells her that if she ever needs to talk, she can talk to him. But Ellie insists that she's fine before relenting and admitting that she's not fine. She tells Justin about growing up with Chuck. Apparently, they used to go camping in the backyard and Chuck would fall asleep in the tent. But then Ellie would go back inside and sleep and then set an alarm to make sure that she went back outside to the tent before Chuck woke up. That's sweet. She asserts that she's just not built for, like, living out in the outdoors and in this jungle and a really, you know, taxing... A stressful situation, but Justin says that she is built for being a doctor. There, it just takes some getting used to. So, at the Grand Ambassador Hotel, actually, no, hold on. So Chuck has been is ignoring because Ellie alludes to leaving Chuck a lot of different voicemails. This week's episode for Chuck is not that stressful. Obviously, it's like the baseline stress for uh-huh. you know what Chuck is doing. But his Chuck, he knows that Ellie is in Africa and he's been ignoring her phone calls and not returning them.
1: That is what we are led to believe. I think that, like, maybe if we do some of the mental legwork, we can uh, we can pretend that they're like playing phone tag that he like they haven't gotten used to the time difference. And he keeps calling her when she's asleep and vice versa. But like Mm -hmm. from that information that we receive, yes, that is what seems like it's happening.
0: So at the Grand Ambassador Hotel, the Turners are hanging out in their suite discussing how they're going to sell the collar and its software. They muse about always having done the right thing for 30 years, but now they're going to get their reward as jaded old people. (laughs) Mrs. Turner says that she feels bad about disappointing Chuck and Sarah, but Mr. Turner contends that Chuck and Sarah can never cut it as real spies because they're actually in love. Mrs. Turner questions if Mr. Turner still loves her, and Mr. Turner says that their love is different. It's aged to perfection. Mrs. Turner then calls him out for hitting on that younger woman back at Otto's party, and Mr. Turner says that he was just causing a diversion, but Mrs. Turner does not believe him. The two squabble until room service knocks on their door, Mr. Turner opens the door to find a tray with a single Manhattan on it with a card that says compliments of the Bartowskis, which is, I hope, as a professional copy editor, Aaron, you were shook by this card.
1: (laughs) I I actually did not look at it very closely. Was it misspelled?
0: It was compliments of the Bartowskis. Uh So it would singular Bartowski apostrophe S. That's
1: too bad. That's a shame.
0: Shook my head and I was disappointed.
1: I, so, uh, yeah, when I am not working, I turn off that part of my brain, so...
0: That's fair enough, I understand. <laughs> Once again, I have your back.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it.
0: So as Mr. Turner is examining this, Chuck sneaks into the host the hotel suite through the window because there's nothing Chuck loves more than sneaking into hotel rooms he from their it. windows or balconies. Chuck is in the hotel room, uh, Mr. Turner comes back into the hotel room confused, only to see Chuck and Sarah, and Sarah's holding both her gun as well as Mrs. Turner's gun, Mr. Turner puts his hands up and asks how they found them, and Sarah says that they were the only room that ordered 12 Manhattans.
1: That's a lot. Do you you think that they were sharing them, or do you think that uh, he just had 12 himself?
0: Maybe they were sharing them, but also if he's been drinking them for 30 years, his tolerance is probably pretty high. I mean, that's true, but like
1: 12 is a lot. That's double digits. Wow, who's
0: counting, Aaron? Fun police over here. (laughs) Okay. Back in Castle, Casey has Morgan in Castle's shooting range. Morgan seems to know his way around a handgun, which is kind of surprising. Morgan explains that his knowledge of guns is all from video games, and Casey reminds him that this is real life and it's not a video game. Morgan points the laser focus on the target and then pulls the trigger and immediately throws the gun in the air, which I thought was a nice touch because it's very loud, and I've never uh, shot a gun before, but I imagine if you were not used to it, it's probably you would also throw the gun in the air.
1: And are you, are you asking me if I think that I would throw a gun no, in there?
0: Not the, it wasn't the specific you, it was more of the, like, the general, No, I like, agree. Ustaz. I,
1: um, well, my small story about this is, like, when I, like, pretend I'm shooting something, as I, as I do often, I'll, like, put, like, i I guess this is a visual medium so you can't see, but, like, yeah. there is a, like, it, it, like, It hurts when you shoot a gun. I have not ever shot a gun, but I've shot a paintball gun and it like it bounces back like it hits you. And I feel like that would be alarming if you weren't expecting it. Like if you only played like Duck Hunt, that gun doesn't really do that. You just pull the trigger and that's it. But I feel Mm -hmm. like I don't know if like if everyone would throw it into the air, but like I think you'd be alarmed. I think your arm would hurt and you might let go of it. I liked it.
0: We are, of course, talking about the recoil. I guess there's the, yes. the word for this term. Yes. And uh, if that was not clear from what Aaron was just saying, Aaron apparently does recoil when she does finger guns.
1: Yeah. Yes. You really yes.
0: commit to <laughs> a level of realism with your finger guns.
1: Yes, that is what I was trying to say. Thank you. Thank you again.
0: <laughs> so anyhow, um, they're having this little awkward moment with the guns. Casey catches the gun after Morgan throws it, and he immediately tells Morgan to sit down. Morgan is concerned that Case is going to fire him and alludes to feeling worse than when he got fired from Underpants, etc.
1: I love so that detail.
0: There's a detail that we did not know about Morgan's career, that he used to work across the plaza from the Bymore at Underpants, etc. And he was fired, so he had to get a job at the Bymore.
1: Yeah. There's there's a rich Morgan Grimes backstory.
0: It's so rich that they really should explore it in a, a spinoff <laughs> yes. of just called Morgan and go <laughs> make it a... a prequel to Chuck about Morgan working in underpants, etc. This is a terrible idea. No one should do this. (laughs) Casey tells Morgan that it's not the end of the world, but Morgan says that all he wanted to was all that he ever wanted was to be a part of the team. And now he blew it. Casey reminds Morgan that Morgan was there for him when the CIA fired him. And now he's there for Morgan. And this is kind of like an unexpectedly sweet moment. Morgan tries to hug Casey, but then Casey pushes him away. As this is happening, Chuck and Sarah bring the turners back to Chuck's apartment, handcuffed, Sarah holds them accountable, but the Turners bicker about whose idea it was to steal the software and who should be held responsible. The bickering pushes Chuck to his boiling point, and he yells at them and says that it's one thing to betray the CIA, but it's another thing to betray your partner. Chuck reminds them that the Turners were there to teach he and Sarah how to be a great spy couple and that Chuck looked up to them. Mrs. Turner seems to be touched by this, but Mr. Turner tells Chuck to check back with him in 30 years. He says that the CIA has a way of breaking young idealists, especially if they're in love.
1: Sarah and Chuck look at each other, but before they can really process this, there's a knock on the door. Sarah thinks it might be the Marshals that are there to pick up the Turners, but Chuck looks through the window and sees that it's Otto and Sasha. There's a pretty adorable shot of the tiger looking through the peephole. Then Chuck rushes to the couch cache of weapons to take out a gun. Unfortunately for him, Sarah emptied it out at Chuck's request, so they're weaponless. I'm kind of confused about this because they've kidnapped the Turners and tied them up at the kitchen table, and they've done this without a gun? Like, the Turners are just, like, listening to them? I don't know. I feel like they should- Sarah should at least have had a gun, but apparently she left it in the car? I don't know. I feel like it's just not that smart.
0: Well, she had at least... Sarah had the two guns yeah. from the hotel room. So did she, so she leave them, she them in the those. car?
1: Like, where did she put them? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what's happening here, but they don't have any guns. Thinking fast, Sarah locks the Turners in the bathroom and Chuck goes to open the door. Otto and his tiger immediately rush in. This is where we find out the tiger's name is Sasha. Her handler leads her through the house where... I don't really know what's happening here because my assumption initially was that she was like kind of like hunting, like sniffing for the Turners to find them. But when I was researching how fast tigers breathe, I learned that they don't use their sense of smell when they're hunting. So maybe that's why it just takes her a conveniently long time to find the Turners in the bathroom. I don't know.
0: Was she looking for the Turners or was she just looking for the collar? Just looking that around. The still had.
1: I mean, that's that's fair. I don't either either one. She's looking for something.
0: <laughs> She's on the prowl.
1: Meanwhile, Chuck and Sarah pretend that they crashed Otto's party for non-spy-related reasons, but he supposes that Chuck's apartment is a CIA safehouse and Chuck and Sarah are not actually a real couple. He puts a gun to Chuck's head and tells them all he asks is for them to hand over the Turners. It's not really clear if he's, like, gonna also let them go, but basically how he says all I ask, it kind of seems like they can sell out the Turners and then they'll be okay. Chuck pulls Sarah aside and suggests they do it, because even if it makes them no better than the Turners, that might be where they're headed anyway. Sarah asks if he really believes that, and he says no, so they tell Otto they can't help him, which is stupid because, again, Otto literally has a gun pointed right in Chuck's face. Like, he could blow Chuck away for this, but, yeah, he doesn't. Sasha discovers the bathroom door that she literally walked past to get further down the hall before. Like, this is, again, like, Tiger's sense of smell. She just, like, didn't, I don't know. Like, she didn't notice that there were people in there. She didn't like smell her collar. I dunno. Sasha, come on. Uh Otto goes to investigate. Unfortunately, when they open the bathroom door, they find out that the Turners have escaped out the window. Sarah and Chuck are upset to learn that the Turners have once again left them with the bag, but Otto and his men aren't all that moved. Then the Turners burst in through Chuck's back door with their guns drawn, and point them at Otto to prove they're not traitors. Yay, that's nice, you know? It's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, Casey and Morgan are returning to the complex from work, and they find the tiger's handler knocked out and Sasha on the loose. They hide behind some bushes. There's another intercut scene as Morgan says that the world needs men like Casey, but doesn't need men like Morgan, so he's going to sacrifice himself by leading the tiger into Ellie and Devin's empty apartment. He runs in and the tiger runs after him, and instead of then, like, jumping out and shutting the door, Morgan just locks himself in there, too. This is cut with Chuck flashing and fighting the bad guys, then him and Sarah drawing their guns on the Turners. Also, I should note that uh, Cobra Style is playing, and I it's been used a lot in this, like, latter half of this season. Was it really? Yeah. Did you notice that?
0: No, I didn't think it. You
1: didn't notice Cobra Style? I didn't. Maybe it was, maybe I'm confusing something else with Cobra Style, but it's, you know, maybe it wasn't.
0: Oh, I'll have to, maybe yeah, I'll have go to go back, back to and it check. It. I, I thought that would have. Stood out to me, but maybe it just didn't. I could have
1: been completely wrong. It could have been like some other like Chuck like fight song that I just think is Cobra style and I haven't really remembered what Cobra style is, but uh, I, okay. I thought it was Cobra style. Maybe it's not. I okay. could be wrong. I'll check it out. Yeah, please do. Uh, foremost uh, Cobra style expert Chris Gillespie is on the case. Morgan jumps out a second story window that actually isn't all that high because it's above stairs and Casey catches him. Apparently, tigers can't also jump because Sasha stays inside Ellie and Devin's apartment and everyone is safe. Are you looking to see if Cobra Style is in the episode?
0: Uh, According to Wikipedia, which I think does a pretty good job of tracking all of the songs Uh that are used in any given episode, Cobra Style is not mentioned. Uh, Ah, shit.
1: Okay. How does Cobra Style go again? That's the one that's like boom, beep, beep, boom, 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 boom. That's Cobra Style? Uh I thought Cobra Style was in this episode. Maybe.
0: I mean, it's not it hard to. I mean, they probably had some kind of stock song that yeah, basically that's has probably the, what it was the same well, vibe as Cobra style.
1: I'm ashamed. I'm sorry yeah, to all of more, our listeners. This is like, this is a great betrayal.
0: All the more reason that we're excited to feed you to the alligators if yes. need be. Yeah. If our if our safari <laughs> even
1: if even if not gets... need be, you could just do it anyway. I deserve it. <laughs> just. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Thank
0: you, I appreciate that. Okay,
1: so we'll we'll do that at the end, because I've got a little bit left to say. Once the bad <laughs> guys are out of commission, the Wartowskis and the Turners face off. Sarah and Laura refuse to put down their guns, but the men do. Chuck says that he can't let the Turners go, and Otto agrees that it's over. Back in Castle, Beckman congratulates all four of them on their mission, then moves on to the Turners' actions. So... I, I was wondering, like, Sarah thought that earlier, like, marshals were going to show up and, like, take the turners away. So did they just not? Like, what, what happened here? Why are they all back <laughs> at castle?
0: They called off the marshals because I guess they, the turners are forgiven for helping save Chuck and Sarah.
1: Yep, that seems okay. Chuck is about to make an appeal on their behalf, but then Sarah speaks up for them entirely, saying that their double cross was actually a triple cross to trap Otto. Beckman doesn't even question this. She's about to give the Turners their next assignment in front of Chuck and Sarah, apparently, when also in front of Chuck and Sarah, the Turners just make their retirement announcement. And it's like effective immediately. They're not giving two weeks notice. They're like, we're gone. Beckman says, who will possibly take your place? And they point to Chuck and Sarah. The next time we cut to the TV, Beckman's not on it anymore. So I guess she got like really pissed and just left without saying goodbye.
0: And then the Turners just kind of walk off into Castle, yeah. never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, they're just—they're like, still in there. Not even up through the the door into the orange orange. They just go like into the depths of Castle. Yeah,
1: that's where you go. Like it's it's like being put out to pasture, but it's put put into Castle. <laughs> the next scene is back in Africa, where Ellie seems to be a little bit reinvigorated after her talk with Justin. We got approximately none of that, though, and move right back to the Bymore, where Casey tells Morgan he passed his test. Morgan is like, but I failed every test. But the tiger part was, I guess, the most important. Casey says that Morgan has balls. We then cut to Ellie and Devin's destroyed apartment, which Chuck says he, Morgan, and Sarah have to fix before Ellie and Devin get back. Sarah says, I thought I'd start with our place, and agrees to move in with Chuck. That's nice. She tells him she's sorry for freaking out earlier, it's just that she's never learned how to have a normal life. Chuck says they'll never be normal, and she says it'll just be nice to have something once their spy life is over. Back in Africa again, Ellie goes into her tent and finds Devin suffering from what seems like malaria. So I was, I mean, I was kind of right about, I mean, mm. we got bit by a mosquito. So um, everyone's friend Justin helps her bring him to a truck to transport them to the airport to get help. But once Ellie is gone, Justin pulls out a ring phone and says that he poisoned Devin, made it look like malaria, and Ellie doesn't suspect a thing. Oh, no.
0: So, OK, so first of all, that I did not see that coming. That blew my mind. Uh, I did not. See that at all. I was not prepared to see the a ring agent, let alone one that is trying to be predatory towards awesome and and Ellie. But also, I was very confused because they say that Devin is sick and he has they think he has malaria and they load him onto a truck to take him to the airport I was like, why are they should they take him to a hospital somewhere?
1: Well, Chris, I do have some insight into this Um, on Wikipedia. There is a note that says that malaria is very common in the Congo and Mm. um, that actually the safest course of action would be to bring Devin to a hospital in the Congo because the Congo Mm. has more resources to deal with it. So it would be counterproductive to bring him back to the United States. But I guess that's what they're doing. Um, I have to be
0: like to- when he just continue to be sick, like if he's flying from, yeah, like Africa to the United States. I mean, it would even make more sense if it was like an emergency where they have to fly him to like Europe or something. Yeah. But I was like, he could potentially just continue to get more and more sick yeah. while he's on a 20 a hour flight or whatever.
1: Yes. I have to assume that like if the season had ended where it was supposed to, it would have been just like, De- Devin and Ellie were in Africa for the whole, like, summer, and then they came back. <laughs> but because we have these extra six episodes, they have to bring them back to Burbank so they don't have to keep showing them in Africa. Um, but what I thought was going to happen was that there was going to be some kind of, like, not like an infidelity plotline, but that Justin was going to be, like, another right. player for Ellie's heart. Like, because I remembered mm-hmm. not liking him. But uh, this this is why, I guess. He's he's bad. He's a ring agent.
0: Yeah, they kind of make it seem like, oh, Ellie's going to be have... Like she's, tempted. Unfaithful. Yeah. she's tempted yeah uh so that is the our journey into the heart of chuck versus the role models
1: that is that is it i am. Um, are you surprised that i haven't made a role models reference
0: yep i i am I,
1: I could not remember who the second actor i remember paul rudd is in it but i could not remember the other guy so that's why i have not done it
0: i did think that it was going to happen immediately at the top of the episode you were going to refer to that i gotta but keep I'm,
1: you on your toes
0: you really surprised me with bringing <laughs> that up at the end. Uh, so what a, a wild ride. And just as Devin and Ellie are leaving Africa and I guess quitting Doctors Without Borders because Devin got sick once. Um, That was, yeah, that was what was oh, odd what to the me too. I'm like, thing?
1: If they were like really doing Doctors Without Borders, like there are so many like shots and things that they will make you get if you are going abroad, like let alone right. to Africa. So like, I mean we We know that Devin didn't really get malaria, like what he really got was like poisoned, but um, it's like unlikely that they, like i I feel like it's they would have like been vaccinated for like so many things that like I feel like they could have questioned it a little bit more like why devin got malaria, right mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think so, yeah, so. That concludes our jungle tour, and now we are going to pull up to our base camp for the evening and sit around the fire and talk about our thoughts about uh, said jungle tour, what we saw, how we felt, our our hopes, our fears, our concerns, what surprised us, uh, and by that I mean Chuck Mary Kill, where we talk about one part of this episode that we would like to marry, uh, and maybe divorce it three times <laughs> and then remarry it yep. twice more, mm-hmm. uh, and then one part of this episode that we'd like to kill maybe using some kind of fake malaria poison drug thing. Yes. All this is to say that there's one element of the show that we or the episode that we liked and one element of this episode that we did not like.
1: So my Mary is um I I feel it's obvious, but my Mary would be Sasha. She was a very good girl and it was nice to see her.
0: Well my Mary was also Sasha. Oh. So it seems that we are entering into a three-way <laughs> marriage with a tiger. Yes.
1: A three way bi species relationship,
0: which is using two different elements of Tiger King in a way that (laughs) they have not been crossed over before. Um, Last time, I don't know if I keep I know you just know about these things, but you had said that you weren't going to watch Tiger King. No, I
1: have not watched it.
0: That's fine. I respect that. Um, But there is a there's both a lot of tigers and also a three way marriage. So That's so what we're doing. That's
1: We're our, we're the Tiger King 2 is what Go Chuck Yourself has become.
0: <laughs> tiger King 2, Go Chuck Yourself. <laughs> um, well, because I thought that, like, I think if you look at the surface that when you think of having a tiger in an episode of Chuck, you're like, oh, this is kind of gimmicky or this is kind of ridiculous, like uh, sort of like a jumping the shark sort of scenario. Uh, but I feel like they really they used her enough that it wasn't just like a one-off kind of thing. I was glad that they, she came back in the yes. third act of the episode. Yeah. And um, I think that however they pulled it off, whether or not the actors were in the same room as her or it was special effects, I think they did a good job at it. And uh, I appreciated that.
1: That is a uh, much more detailed uh, reason for that, Mary. Mine is just uh, that she was cute.
0: And then it also, I mean, you learned about tigers. You researched tigers. Yes, and I did like that. The respiratory systems yeah. of tigers. Mm-hmm. You were not a veterinarian, but you are about one one hundredth percent closer. (laughs) Sorry, one one hundredth of a percent closer to becoming a veterinarian than you were prior to this Or a zoologist,
1: as I wanted to be in third grade. I feel like all third graders are like, I want to be a vet and or a zoologist.
0: Wait a second. So you're telling me that you not only came up with a modern retelling of Romeo (laughs) and Juliet, but you also wanted to be a zoologist when you grew up how you're such a trendsetter you're groundbreaking
1: (laughs) Yep, i'm an Uh, enigma i'm a unique woman
0: (laughs) uh yeah so i'm glad that we both liked it It was a different move and it was fun and it was weird and i think yeah so like what
1: what do you think will be coming up next on chuck like you think they'll have like a monkey at some point maybe like a goat (laughs) we had snakes and tigers in this episode okay well i guess with that the, the real truth is that we're going to have to have uh, lions and bears because those are the only that's we got tigers. So we need mm-hmm. lions. We had tigers, bears and and oh, my.
0: <laughs> so what would you like to kill this <laughs> week, Aaron Probably
1: that joke. Um, I think that the Africa stuff was weird. And I think that like for the reasons I named, like it's. I feel like they just weren't planning to, like, go to Africa. Like, I feel like it was going to be a thing where they, Ellie and Devin would come back and be like, wow, we had such a great time in Africa. Here's some stuff that we did. But because they have these extra episodes, we had to see them there. But I just thought that the way that this episode used it, it just felt like, like I saw, I believe the IGN review that I referenced was, or it could have been an AV Club review, but it commented that it felt like they were using the Africa scenes solely to set up this twist at the end. And so what it actually amounted to was, like, one of the things where we get a lot of, like, kind of unnecessary... Not even unnecessary, but, like, a lot of more uninteresting scenes that then lead to something interesting, like, for a later episode. And so I felt like I just... If they were going to go to Africa, I wanted them to, like, go all the way and, like, show some interesting things or, like, make some interesting points. And it was really just, like, setting up the fact that this Justin guy was going to be bad. I also Mm -hmm. thought that they didn't really, like, I don't know. It felt a little bit, I think, like, Doctors Without Borders is, like, an admirable concept. But, like, I feel like looking at it as a modern viewer, it's, like, a little bit weird to have these, like, white people coming to save the people of Africa. And, like, it's, like, no one is there, like, uh... There's not anyone there like in charge of anything. It's just like men with guns and sick people. And like, it, it just felt like a little weird and they didn't do enough with it for me to feel like um, good about it. So plot wise and also like politically wise, I thought the Africa stuff could have been better.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because they, they literally arrive in Africa at the beginning of the episode and then they leave at yeah. the end of the episode. Yes. And they don't really flush it out or anything yeah and all so all
1: we know about it is that like there's men with guns they almost get attacked by a snake and then there's like a ring agent there like that's all that's everything and i feel like if they wanted it to be like well-rounded it could have been better
0: and like ellie is overwhelmed by it but devin seems to be doing an okay job but he's also concerned because he knows that ellie's stressed and um also you know you're right it's kind of watching this in this particular period yeah Moment in history, moment in time. I was like, "Yeah, you know what? This, um, this is probably this is absolutely the most people of color that I've ever been in an episode of Chuck." Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the
1: other. That's the other like big (laughs) thing is that like, it. Yeah, that sucks. Like that, it's just like they they go to Africa and it's just like men with guns are like the biggest like Mm -hmm. people of color that we've seen. So yeah, yeah,
0: just reinforces how how white of a program Chuck is. Yes, is. Definitely a critique to have of it or a yes. takeaway. Yep. Um anyhow, my kill was much smaller than that. Uh, I just thought that it was kind of annoying, all of the constant references to the parallels between the turners and Chuck and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And like they kept saying, like all that separates the the two of us is 30 years of experience. We will you will turn into us within 30 years, like some kind of like looper kind of scenario when <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt turns into Bruce Willis. And it's like we get it. They literally said the thirty-year thing maybe like five times. Yeah. I was like, we stop beating us over the head. We get that they're the characters feel this kind of kinship to these other these other people. Yeah. So I was a little frustrated by that.
1: That's fair enough. So speaking of frustrations, would you like to go into the scooter scale?
0: The scooter scale is going to be more of an airing of grievances than a celebration this week. And the scooter scale is how we we uh, rate this particular episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs.
1: I think this might be my lowest score for this season. I um you're the one with the uh the graphs, the intricate uh numbers and statistics, but yep. I am going to give this episode a 3. Um it's a little higher than I had written down. I was planning to give it a 2.75, but in talking about it there were there were plenty of things that I liked about this episode. I thought that it had some highs, especially like with the tiger being well used and like I the like weird beginning I liked, but for all the reasons that we've already talked about and what you said, like, yeah, I I think that the Turners was a very interesting concept. I think that's kind of funny that like the CIA would bring in another CIA couple, but I don't think it was used for either like their, their talents as actors for the concept of the Turners in general or how Chuck and Sarah were reacting to the Turners. I didn't think it was like as interesting as I wanted it to be. I thought that the episode kind of didn't do right by Sarah, where, like, I think we were trying to, like, do a metaphor where, like, Laura was jaded and Sarah is jaded and, like, there's kind of, like, this tension and, like, Sarah's a little bit grumpy and maybe she's um, kind of dealing with the repercussions of, like, agreeing to this, like, quote-unquote normal life with Chuck, but I feel like it was... It was just, like, a little bit not... I don't want to say anticlimactic, but it was just, like, the setup, I felt, like, was better than the actual payoff. And also what the Turners did didn't really make sense. And like there wasn't really enough of like a um, like they escape out of the bathroom, but then like use that escape to come back through the back door and ultimately rescue Chuck and Sarah. So I feel like there wasn't enough of a question of like if they were actually bad and like why they actually went bad was kind of weird. So I don't know. I just think like for the talents of like Fred Willard and Sweezy Kurtz, like I would have liked to see them do a little more.
0: Yeah, they kind of, they're like, why they were doing what they were doing, their motivation was basically like, yeah, we just wanted to. Yeah. Because they're like, we're, it was, uh, why are you doing this? They're like, well, I don't know. Like, who are you going to sell it to? Well, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. that why, why are you not doing this anymore? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Kind of flimsy. Yeah. Uh I will match you. I also am giving this episode a three. How exciting.
1: Uh,
0: I enjoyed this episode, but once again, it kind of felt sort of light and frivolous compared to some other episodes this season. Uh, but overall, I feel like, like you said, like, I kind of was like, I don't, I don't love this episode, but I was like, yeah, yeah it was fine. Yeah. It was enjoyable enough. Um, I don't think it was the funniest episode or, yeah. or the most action packed or the most dramatic, but it was pleasant enough. Yeah. Got to, got to watch a tiger run around. That's true. What else can you, what else can you ask for?
1: So I wanted to uh, note this, this comment from, um, Eric Goldman at IGN, he says, I kept wanting either Morgan, Chuck, or Sarah to at least mention in passing that Morgan actually had beaten Chuck to the punch when it came to betting a beautiful statuesque super spy. Remember Karina? Morgan should be pretty psyched to know the truth about Karina if he hasn't been told yet. Which is a good point, like, especially that last sentence. Do you think they've told him that Karina is a spy? Does he know now that, like, he's, um, like, her history? Like, is he even thinking about it? I think it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I feel like we had discussed one in Chuck versus the Beard when Chuck is filling in Morgan about all of his spy yeah. stories yeah. that that probably would have come up. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem like it's something that is at the forefront of Morgan's mind.
1: Yeah. I don't but know. I think it's interesting.
0: Morgan seems to be in the midst of a uh, proverbial dry spell. Yes. Uh, in terms of dating.
1: Yeah, but maybe that'll change. Maybe soon it will change.
0: Maybe someone from his past will return mm. in like next week. Who knows? Who, Who can say? Anything can happen. Uh, so I think that has been a, a satisfying jungle tour. I hope that you appreciated our trek through the woods, and uh, I hope that you did not catch malaria. So with that said, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy.
1: And my name is Erin Arata, and I am ready to be uh, sacrificed to the alligators. Throw me All in, right. Chris.
0: All right, here you go. No. We're going over to the big alligator pond. All right, Erin, get ready and push
1: splash anything is possible
0: and you're done well this is a gruesome way to end this episode but at least erin seemed to be really cooperative and on board with it so if it's what she wants then i'm happy to see it through Ooh, they're really Ah. going to town oh yikes oh god i don't know Oh, oh oh i can't oh i'm gonna puke i can't watch this anymore Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to go check yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.